read from from uh, John 17, verses 23. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me, their messenger, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me, and also be in and us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. What a prayer. And over to Psalm 143. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar, collar of his robe. It is like a dew from Hermon that falleth on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. One thing I'll do before I start to share the sermon with you, I promised the night at the camp that we would pray for the night where that God's blessing would be out with them. So I'm going to do that just before we start with the uh, message this morning. <coughs> Father God, we pray for all the members of our church that are out there at camp at Wedderburn. May it be a time where your spirit is at work drawing them close together in love and grace and truth and where Jesus Christ is lifted up. Lord, that uh, the relationships, Lord, out there are being made closer, Father God, that we indeed might be the family of God, the people of God, as Rondo Jones said, she managed to be. So pour forth a, a double portion of your spirit on the night there at that camp at Wedderburn this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Unity. Wow. What do you think when you think of that word? popular 1957 uh, book and was made into a film was, a, was uh, uh, a book and a film called They're a Weird Mob and it was written, some of you might remember that book, some of you might never have heard of it. It was written by John O'Grady under the pseudonym of Nino Colotta. The name of the main character in the book, it can best be described as an hilarious snapshot of the immigrant experience in the Menzies era in Australia by a writer with a brilliant ear for Austra an Aus the Australian way with words. Why would I start a sermon off with that? I suspect that to people outside the church, we too look like a weird mob. That's how we must might look to them. I guess they must also wonder how the heck such a different, disparate group remains in unity. And this morning we're going to look at the topic of unity and more specifically as it relates to the church as a whole and to us individually as members of God's church. 
To do this, we'll center our thoughts primarily around Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 14, although I'm going to delve into other scriptures around uh, as, as we do it this morning. So let's just read that uh, passage of scripture out of Ephesians 4, uh, 4 to 14. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, to you, to me, grace has been given as Christ appointed it. This is why it said, says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ gave him, himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament and grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. From that passage of scripture, there are a number of things that we hear and see about unity. And I'm going to say that the first of these to say is to say that true Christian unity in the body of Christ is a gift from God. In Ephesians 2 verses 14 to 18, speaking about the separation between the Jews and the Gentiles, we read, For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access to the Father by the one spirit. In that particular passage of scripture, um, the writer Paul is indicating the division between Jews and Gentiles and about how they can only come together through the cross of Christ. So that that Christian unity, and it's a gift from God that does it. It's both God's desire for the church and, and it's a gift to the church that we remain in unity. And uh, as, as he was, as Paul was praying for unity between Jews and Christians, so we need to pray continually for unity within our church uh, at all times. And it's a gift from God that can only be given from God. Second thought on unity is this. 
hating enemies. In chapter 4 and verse 12 of Ephesians, we are instructed to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We as a church here need to recognise that you, me, I, were a living, breathing representation of Jesus to the world by the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an inanimate object but the third person of the Trinity who breathes when we squabble and get things wrong and who rejoices when in unity we get things right. If you've been around the church as long as I have, you'll know that everything doesn't always go smoothly. Uh, sometimes we have uh, different um, disagreements, but in Christ we can still all come together and work our way past that. It is interesting to see how unity and peace is so closely intertwined in the pas- this passage of Scripture and elsewhere. We read in Romans 12, 14 and 16, Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony or peace with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. In Colossians 3, 12 to 14 we read, Therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another, if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Hard words sometimes to do uh, when someone uh, upsets you or uh, rubs you up the wrong way, but God needs us to work together in unity at all times. Third thing to note about unity, growing in unity takes time. Um, I've got to ask a question here. Who's been in this church over 50 years? Who's been in church over 40 years? 7? 20? 10? 5? 2? 1? Yeah, so what I'm trying to say with that is that growing in unity takes time because there's some of us around here that have been here forever and others that have come in and joined us along the way. So we're all at different uh, different stages in our Christian walk. And gr- growing in unity takes time. A loved Christian friend of ours, Florence Coon, who, Coons, who is now with the Lord, used to say that we're all at different bus stops on our Christian journey through life. Some have joyfully got on board at the first stop, while others are progressing on their journeys at different stops and stages in their Christian growth. So in any church, you're going to have people at different stages of maturity in their Christian walk. Part of that Christian journey involves us not only statically remaining in unity, but in growing up continually and vibrantly into more and more unity. Chapter 4, verse 3 of Ephesians emphasises the need to maintain unity, while verse 13 of that same chapter says, until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Thus, from that, we can see that unity is not meant to be uh, static, but it is dynamic as it grows over time. We're never going to reach, in one sense, on this earth, perfect unity, but it's the thing that we need to be striving and working towards all the time. And uh, when there is dissension in the church, God grieves and we grieve whenever that happens. Some barriers to unity. In chapter 4 and verse 2, we read, 
be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. The antitheses to these three good character traits are pride, arrogance and impatience. And such antithetical traits do not help promote unity. Uh, he's, so somebody started saying, well, give me patience and give it to me quickly. Is that how it is? Work for you sometimes? Most of us like to think that we are not proud, arrogant or impatient. Sometimes it behoves us to do with our spiritual lives exactly what we do with our automobiles, our cars. That is, have a regular checkup or a maintenance service on where our lives are at. To this I recommend that great verse on love in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 which reads, Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonour others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. But I like to take it as a dose of medicine. I'm going to ask you to do this after me and you can see how you feel after you've done it. And I'm going to ask you to repeat these words after me. I am always patient. I am always kind. I never envy others. I never boast. I am never proud. I never dishonour others. I never seek after only my own interests. I am never easily angered. I never keep any record of wrongs. I never delight in evil, but always delight with the truth. I always protect, I always trust, I always hope, I always persevere. Ouch. How do you feel after you how do you feel after you've taken the scripture in that context? I don't know about you, but oh, I, I write inside uh, when 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 I when the scripture so try that sometime if you're wanting to check up where your life is. Uh, get that scripture uh, out of uh, Corinthians there and, and, and use it in that use it in that uh, in that context out of one Corinthians thirteen verse four and apply it to your own life as your, your spiritual checkup as to where you are. If we're to grow in Christian unity, there may be some things which, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we need to change. He can help you break down the barriers in your life if you are ready and willing to ask him. Probably the main thing about unity to say about unity is that the, graphic, the gospel is the central uh, doctrine of unity. In Ephesians 4 verse 4 we read, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Just in that particular passage of Scripture, the word one is used seven times to emphasise the unity between the church as a body and the Godhead as well as between individuals, the church and the Godhead. Put another way, it expresses the concept of an indivisible or an inseparable intertwining between the church, the Godhead and individual Christians. Interesting, I, I don't 
their eyes look really when she puts out the notice for the week. But who can tell me what the picture was on the front of the uh, church notice that came out this week that you all did? Two handy readers. <laughs> okay. If you go, uh, if you go onto your internet and have a look at this week, there was intertwined uh, threads of all different colours. And uh, she didn't know I was going to put this in the sermon, and I didn't know she was going to put it in there. But God's at work uh, speaking to us. So it's an intertwining of, uh, of all these things. Whenever a church seeks to elevate peripheral issues to the centre of its teaching and preaching, then it cannot grow. It might seem relevant and trendy for a time, but it will inevitably cause a decline and extinction of that church. And I'm going to say a couple of things here that people are going to probably bat me around the ears afterwards about, but please listen. Such things as social justice, the Green Movement, Black Lives Matter, gay and lesbian rights, etc., etc., should be, as far as the church is concerned, peripheral issues. Depending on your view, they may or may not be worthy causes which <coughs> the world at large champions. They will never bring unity in the church. The church has been and always will be involved in good works, but they must never be the doctrinal centre of the church if the church is to grow. True Christian unity is described in Ephesians 4 is very different. It is uni unity instigated by personal belief in Jesus, the very Son of God, sent by God the Father into this sin-sick world to demonstrate his love for us by his life while here on earth, by his death on the cross, in our place to overcome sin by his bodily resurrection, by his ascension to heaven and by sending his glorious Holy Spirit to empower his church until he comes again. The next thing to say about unity, there's a difference between unity and uniformity. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7 we read, But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why he says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. The message of the gospel has an electrifying effect, effect on people when responded to from the heart. The amazing thing is that immediately this unites people from different cultural, from socio-economic, ethnic and a multitude of very different backgrounds. And we can see that here in our church. I think at one stage we counted... Uh, 23 different nationalities represented in our congregation. I have no idea how many there are at the moment, but it was at one stage 23. And you know what draws us together? It's Jesus Christ. It has an electrifying effect on people when it's responded to. Over my lifetime, I've worshipped with fellow Christians from high church to outdoor Pentecostal church backgrounds. I've worshipped in Fijian churches, in an Egyptian Coptic church, that was something else. And, uh, and a Ukrainian evangelical church. In the era of charismatic rule in the 1970s, I've sat under the teaching of worship and fellowship with fellow Christians from practically every denomination, nation and ethnicity around the world. And you know what? The unity was palpable. It was alive. It was like a living, breathing body. It was the body of Christ in unity. In some of the words of Psalm 33, we read how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. And that was what it was like for me, and it's like here in our church here too, when you get together with people from different cultures, different backgrounds, but you're all one in Christ. 
God is bringing into his all kinds of people from every very different backgrounds into his kingdom. People with whom we might not normally associate. People who might rub us up the wrong way, who might, that we might rub up the wrong way. Do you ever rub anybody up the wrong way? I'm quite sure I do. <laughs> Probably you do too. We shouldn't do it, but it happens. But as we recognise that we are fellow travellers on the same Christian journey, our differences begin to fade away and God begins to draw us closer and closer into true Christian unity as we recognise that we are sinners, saved by all sinners saved by his grace and adopted into his forever family. Sometimes within denominations there appears to be a section that each congregation within that denomination should worship in a very similar manner to all other congregations within that denomination. We should be thankful that this is not the case within the Uniting Church. We are permitted to have diversity and not unity, uniformity within our unity. Christian unity, yes. Christian uniformity, no. You'll go into a different uh, church congregation on the other side of town or the other side of the street and they may have a different culture and a different way of worshipping to you. It's the same Jesus at the centre of that worship. Unity, grace and gifts. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13, we read, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. As indicated previously, unity is not static but it is dynamic, which means it will grow as all members of the church grow in their Christian maturity. This necessarily involves different members of the church with different gifts preparing or equipping people for works of service. All of us can see and believe that the functions of pastor and preacher still operate in the church right up until today. You may or may not believe that the roles of apostle and prophet ceased upon the demise of those first disciples living at the time of Jesus' death uh, who carried such functions in the early church. I personally believe and have observed that such roles still exist uh, in the church today, but I will not let my understanding cause disunity with others who do not fit in with, who disagree with me. I could go on and on teaching about the grace and gifts of the Holy Spirit in relation to unity, but such a topic needs to be more fully expounded in its own right on another day. However, what I would say is this, and I want you to this is, uh, uh, listen to this very carefully. Just as the Trinity is inextricable, no, just as the Trinity is inextricably intertwined with the church as a body and the individual believer, so also are the grace and gifts given by God to his church intertwined with them in complete unity. Now, it was interesting when I hadn't realised till I read that, that talks about sevenfold situation. I'm trying to un trying to where that was implicit in it. It talks about the Trinity, the Father, number one, the Son, number two, the Holy Spirit, number three, the church as a body of believers, number four, the individual believer, number five, six, grace, and seven gifts. And that's a, uh, um, a, a word description, if you're trying to do it, or trying to express it in those terms, sevenfold representation of unity which is made complete by the inclusion of grace and gifts to make up the 
servants represented unity. Sometimes growth in unity can occur from pressure and persecution. In Ephesians 4 verses 15 to 16 we read, Instead of speaking the truth in love, we resolve to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting work ligament grows and builds itself up in love just as each part does its work. We would like to think that and hope that this is the way the church always operates. The reality is that it does not because we live in a fallen and an imperfect world. However, this does not mean that we should not pray, work and strive continually towards unity in the church and this means speaking the truth in love. It means truth and growth. When Jesus came, he came to came full of two things. He came full of truth and growth. Sometimes we have uh, situations where there's an overemphasis on truth. Sometimes there's an overemphasis on grace. The, the, the two have to work, walk together. There's, there's the truth, God's word, which is true, speaks truth to us. And sometimes in a church it, it, it becomes necessary in circumstances to speak the truth in love. And that's always a hard thing to do with anybody. If some, if something's not quite right, we need to bring in correction. Not always easy. We need to pray that we have love in the middle of if, if correction needs to be brought. Sometimes there are pressures which compel or drive a church to its knees to seek unity. And such pressure may be internal or external. Internal, it may be division between groups or individuals which grieve not only ourselves but also the Holy Spirit. Such division should drive us to our knees in repentance and prayer, seeking God's grace as to the best way forward so that unity is not only restored but that it grows. Externally, unity can grow from persecution by the world. And not only does unity between churches grow, but the wider church as a whole grows. We constantly read of multiple persecuted groups of Christians around the world. I don't know whether you get daily readouts of what's going on around the world, Christian riots and controls to people, but where I do. But we also know from history that Christians are driven closer together in unity in such circumstances by, uh, when the church and the church grows when there is persecution. Just recently, I found myself praying for Christian revival in China. Shortly after that prayer, I read a news item which indicated that church teachers and pastors in China were being brought by, in by the government for re-education. I've had two responses to that news. First, to pray for those Christians being persecuted and secondly, to rejoice because the church has to be coming together in unity and growing for the government to be so fearing the spread of Christianity. The more pressure and persecution the greater the growth of the church and its unity. And that's the reality of it at the end of the day. Um, the church will always be there. It will never not be there, that's for sure. In conclusion, thus we've seen that unity is one, a gift from God. Secondly, meant to be maintained. Thirdly, to grow over time. Fourthly, by love to overcome any barriers by, caused by disunity. Five, to be centred and focused on the gospel. Six, that it is different from uniformity. Seven, it is meant to involve both grace and the use of gifts. And eight, 
we've got what you well understand with us in persecution. And I hope and I pray for us here at the Church of the Marketplace and our junction is that we will maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace so that we are better able to visibly demonstrate God's love to those who do not yet know and love him. May it be said of us, wow, how those weird people called Christians of C&P here at Bondi Junction love and care for one another. I want and need some of that love. And how do they get it? I invite in Jesus Christ to enter into their lives to forgive them their sins and ask them to be filled by the Holy Spirit with his love and power. Let us pray. Lord, firstly, we confess that we have always not uh, demonstrated the, the love and the graces in our own lives that need to uh, help unity to grow. But, Father, we pray that that would change for us individually and for us here as a church, that we would uh, be listening to your Holy Spirit and that we would be growing in grace and truth here in this place, that we might be a demonstration to the world of who Jesus is. Lord, may that be our prayer this morning as we go from this place. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.